0: to The Way Home with Laura Smith, the show that brings you wonderful guests, helpful advice, and uplifting stories. The Way Home. Live. Inspire. Here's your host, Laura Smith.
1: So good to be with everybody. And this week I have some interesting information. Somebody is coming on the program, Dr. Frieda Birnbaum, who's a research psychologist, psychoanalytic therapist, seasoned media commentator, and author with professional advice on how to identify and break the toxic cycles of drumroll, gaslighting—it's a big word. They, in fact, it's so big that uh, last year they they said that it was probably the most uh, used word or new word, and you know, in terms of uh, everybody putting it in their jargon and vocabulary, as. The popular word, everybody talks about being gaslit or someone who's gaslighting me. What does that mean? And what does it mean to you and your relationships or somebody that you know and love? We're going to find out the doctors in the house today. We're also going to hear from Karen Antonini. She has a beautiful podcast all about the delicious things of life coming up then as well. And good news with Jim Cleefield. He's our guru of good news. And it's all brought to you by Balance of Nature. Fruits and veggies in a capsule. Balance of Nature has 31 different fruits and vegetables in your capsules when you take three and three a day. And nothing is in there but the food. I explain that to people all the time. It's not vitamins. It's not something created in a laboratory, it's just food. Dr. Howard, who formulated it, calls it phytonutrients to get yours and to get on your path to wellness and feeling so great. Uh, definitely go to their website. It's easy, balanceofnature.com, balanceofnature.com. But however you order, make sure that you put my name into the promo code, Laura, L-A-U-R-A. That will give you 35% off your first order and free shipping always. The good doctors in the house next. Don't go away, it's the way home.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to the way home with Laura Smith.
1: Here's Laura. Well, this year I was on the morning show that I do in Michiana and it came up as a story that one of the or the most used word of last year was the word gaslight or gaslighting. I thought that was so interesting. I thought, wow, that's, it's a term that people use that was based on a film. I think called gaslighting uh, decades and decades ago but has stayed sort of in the consciousness and the the culture of uh American uh thinking and so I I thought that's so fascinating and people are often saying well what does that actually mean when you gaslight someone are you being gaslighted I have a really wonderful uh woman here who is ready to, to dive into so many aspects because she has so many aspects to her career. Dr. Frieda Birnbaum is a research psychologist, psychoanalytic therapist, seasoned media commentator, author with professional advice on how to identify and break toxic cycles of gaslighting. She's also, she happens to be the oldest mom to twins on record. Is that correct? Welcome to the
2: program. No, thank so you so I, much for joining thank us. Thank you so much. And I still am for some reason. I guess people don't want to do the things that I have been doing, which is I don't blame them. But uh, yeah, I've always done things a little bit out of sync with what supposed to be. I,
1: I have a friend who actually, yeah. to my knowledge, she was the oldest um, mother that had given you know birth to twins. Uh, Alita St. James, but she was 57. So you have beat her. And that's an incredible thing to be a mom at 60, uh, a, a brand new mom, but you have, uh, you have other children as well. So you've been doing this an awful long time. That's an incredible story in and of itself. But today, because of your expertise, we're going to be talking about the topic of gaslighting and, and what it actually means. So do give us, if you wouldn't mind, Dr. Frida, the, mm-hmm. The 101 Basics on what is gaslighting.
2: Oh, absolutely. And you're right. It's just come up, these these words and what's going on with that. And it's happening more frequently. I hate to say this. And it's when another person tries to keep the other person down on a psychological, emotional level to give the other person a feeling that they don't know what they're doing. And the problem with that is that people really buy into it. After a while, they say, hey, you know, maybe it's me. So it's a cycle of events that happen in a relationship that is very hard to break because these people really have an agenda to keep you there. It's not as if things are happening and they're being misunderstood or they want to work through or they want to go to therapy. No way do they want to change any of this. They'll just change you for somebody else. That's about it.
1: Right. And so, in other words, it, it sounds like to me like it's a form of brainwashing. If I recall, I never did see the movie, but the premise of the movie was this man was, would, would tell his wife that the gaslight came on outside or something. And she knew she hadn't turned it on, but he kept telling her it was on. And by the end of the movie, he has brainwashed her basically into thinking that she's the one that's crazy because she's not seeing the gaslight going on. Is that, is that something akin to what the movie's about?
2: Absolutely. 1938, this, a play came out. And uh, this man, as you're saying, tried to gaslight. That word was being used, his wife. And he went up into the attic with a lantern, and he was trying to steal her furniture, her, her her jewelry. I don't know where furniture came from, but her jewelry. <laughs> furniture is a little heavy to steal, I don't know. But And she caught him, and he's sa- saying to her, what are you talking about? And then years later, Alfred Hitchcock is the one that made it into a movie, and it was called Gaslighting. But people have been intrigued by this only because it happens so often. I just want to tell your listeners that if you think somebody's jealous of you, don't be complimented. They just want to keep you. They want to control you. They want to keep you away from your friends or your relatives. They want to take away the essence of who you are. And these people are usually narcissists, that it's all about them. It's not about the relationship. And these things are happening more frequently, Frequently, whether we call it gaslighting or not. We seem to be living in the I generation, not the we generation not about what can we do for each other, but what can you do for me? And so watch out, people. When people are saying to you, you don't look the same, you're not acting yourself, that's because you're being manipulated by somebody else.
1: And I think all of us know somebody in life, whether it's a friend or a family member or even maybe have gone through it ourselves. We all know someone who seems to be... um with someone who would prefer that they no longer see their family as much or talk to them as much or um everything is centered around their family. And, you know, slowly and slowly, that person seems to be taken away from what they they're normally used to in terms of interacting with their own friends, their own families and such. It it happens. I mean, I've seen it throughout my life at different times and it and it's always it's scary a little bit because you see that the person who is being manipulated won't admit that they're being manipulated. So they have been gaslighted, so to speak, in terms of believing that, yeah, you need to be taken away from your family because your family really doesn't have your best interest at heart, yada, yada. So um. How much of it is there? How much of it do people realize that they are being manipulated and how much of it is people truly start to believe what the gaslighter is telling them?
2: You know, if you feel like something is wrong, then something is definitely wrong. If that person is not introducing you to his family or her family or their friends, uh, the activities that you have, you have to make, you have to be responsible for everything Well, again, you see that it's one-sided. So, of course, you have to be healthy to know uh, what healthy is. But you also have to know what being respected is all about. That person who is trying to manipulate you, and probably successfully so, has a different life and different rules for themselves. They may be unfaithful. They may be not socially responsible to you. Uh, they may be not financially responsi- responsible to you across the board. But the most important thing is that when you're trying to fix it and when you're trying to make sure that everything is okay, that person is looking at you and saying, what are you out of your mind? What are you talking about? None of this is going on. I don't remember this. I don't remember screaming at you. I don't remember hitting you. I don't remember any of these. Are you going out of your mind just like you said? And that's the place that you should really run as fast as you can. Because a lot of people think that, oh, this person is like me and will try to fix it. No, this person is not like you. You cannot fix it. It has a deep pathology from their roots of self-esteem. In other words, it's like a big bully, feeling better at yourself at somebody else's expense. And that's the only way they have been taught how to feel good about themselves. So if you're healthy, first of all, you won't pick somebody like that. But those people pick a weak link. They try to pick somebody who's vulnerable. They try to pick that person. They've already have you pegged. It's not that this just happened by chance. So there are different personalities of being healthy, of what you need to do. So if you're somebody who is secure with yourself, you'll meet somebody who is secure. But if you're with somebody who's dismissive, uh, and rejecting other people. Well, you're never going to meet anyone because you're not giving that person a chance. That's the other extreme. And when we're talking about anxiety, well, when, when that happens, you are feeling rejected yourself. And so we're talking about the circle of events of dissociative behavior of not trusting the other person. And we also live in a society uh, that we're not trusting socially, um, organized religion, uh, our police department, politics, everything that's been going on, the war in Ukraine, our economy, everything, our government is really not the way we have seen it to be. So there's a huge distrust that's not going on, only going on in relationships, but it's really going on in society as well. I totally
1: agree with that. And I was thinking about that before we started the interview, how, how much it's playing out right now, as you mentioned in society. Um, it, you know, people feel like they've been gaslighted by perhaps, yes, the government, uh, the medical, uh, institutions of our country. So many people feel like they have been either lied to or are currently being lied to, or maybe they have been lied to and they've been made to, Um, believe a bill of goods that some people absolutely buy hook, line and sinker. Other people are very distrustful of it. And yet when they try to say something about it, they're called conspiracy theorists or they're called uh, all different things. So the targeting that's going on within our own society right now of what would be literally be called gaslighting, it's really taken a form that is. It's it's hard to even imagine at the level it's going on right now. And yet, if you're in a personal relationship that has this going on, I know that it must be really incredibly difficult to break out of the pattern. So what if someone finds themselves, Dr. Freedom, or someone that they love, could be a family member, could be just a friend, they see that they're in this type of emotional, abusive Emotionally abusive relationship. What are some good tips on how does someone react to that? Cause when I've had friends who've their children are stuck in one of these relationships, it's very hard to know if you've never gone through it before. How do you, how do you approach the, your loved one to say, listen, you're being manipulated here. How can't you see it? Because f- for the most part, many people will get very, very, um, guarded and um defensive they won't want to hear that so what are some good ways for us to maybe reach someone that we know or love that is in an abusive a gaslighting relationship
2: you know you have to look and see are you you happy right now has your life changed uh are you making decisions uh what are you doing that you do enjoy are you just working uh, is it lackluster? So you bring out the differences of what, where they are, or if they're delaying their gratification, things that are not helping them to be in the moment. And when you ask them these open-ended questions, it'll help them to see that, hey, wait a minute. Uh, it's true. I, I feel lackluster. It's true. All I do is work all the time. I'm not laughing like I used to laugh anymore. So you bring that out and then you say to them, what do you think you can do to make these changes? And most likely they will say, I can't. Most likely they will say, this is the only way this person I'm with will be happy, will accept me. I don't want to be, uh, you know, someone who's rejected by this person. So right away there is an issue, which is double standards that one person has to have certain set patterns and the other person has to fall into those patterns. And as you said before, a lot of people are afraid to leave the relationship for whatever reasons. Maybe they're dependent on, on financial situations or whatever that is. But once you bring that out and you say, is this quality of life? Is this the way you wanted your life to be? What are you looking forward to? Do you have any future plans together? Do you agree on the future plans? What are they? And when they'll, those things come up, The answers that that other person's giving you will give them the answers that they need to look at themselves.
1: That's an interesting thing. So you end up asking more questions as opposed to what I tend to do often (laughs) is give my two cents and give my advice because I feel like I've been through a lot and I have something to offer here. But it sounds to me like maybe the better way might be in just asking the questions and listening. So maybe in them hearing themselves speak to the questions it'll give them a chance to really take a look at what they're doing and what's happening to them because very often the well the gaslighter is the is the the one who is being gaslighted is is very often the person who has is being told that they're doing the gaslighting. does that make sense so they're being accused of something that's being done to them that's
2: a very important point you just made that's so true And what happens with that, unlike other situations, other relationships, that with time that you work it through, the harder you work, the more you're accused. And the more you try to make the changes, the more you're going to feel uncomfortable that the relationship is at stake. So you can't even do anything about it. Yes. So every time you say something, oh, you're picking on me, you're attacking me, Uh, why are you doing this to me? What's your problem? Why don't you work on yourself? You have issues. So right away, you're targeted. So to prevent yourself from targeting because nobody wants to be attacked, you say, okay, I'll keep the peace. I'll do whatever it takes to be with that person. Now, in our society, uh, we have gone in a different direction. You know, the swipe of a button, we go on to the next uh, participant or victim, should I say, Uh, on the, on the internet. And we keep doing that because every little thing we see, we don't like about that person and we find fault about that person and we're never going to find anything. So with, with that, we're in that category. But when you're with somebody that's gaslighting you, you can't switch that button so quickly. You can't leave so quickly because that person really has you in their grips. They want you there and they know that it's not working for you. And that's exactly what they want. So you can't just go to the other partner. Because in our society today, both people are going to different resources, different partners uh, to experience more problems, actually. I feel that the more time you spend with somebody who is well-adjusted, the more you're going to be able to work through a relationship. We don't give ourselves that time. So we're either trapped, we're either entrapped with somebody who's narcissistic, and we're talking about a lot of red flags here, or we're in a situation where these apps make it way too easy uh, to keep looking for Mr. or Mrs. Perfect or whoever you're looking for, and we all know if you've been married for a while, there's no such thing. We do know that there's always going to be some issues, and sometimes the marriage license helps to stay in a normal relationship. But today we're talking about something that is different uh, than we're used to. So, uh, you know, America has really gone two different ways today. Uh, we have gone in a way that we're more narcissistic. We have less empathy than ever. It's more about what can we have, what can we get. Uh, and then when we get the wrong person and we're entrapped, we lose uh, the vision of what healthy really is. Because guess what? When I first spoke about what it is we want as an individual, we're not healthy then either. There's no place to go from. So we have to know what is really healthy. What, what do you look for? What kind of partner do you want? Well, you want a partner who's going to grow with you. You want a partner that has future plans. You want a partner who's going to support you, doesn't have to agree with you, but will accept your differences. Those are the things to look for. Somebody who's evolved already, somebody who's not looking to you to make that person who they want to be, that you're adding on to who they are already. So when that person's in a good place and you're in a good place, that's a perfect match. It's not to say there won't be conflict because growth has to do with conflict. And that's fine too, but that's a healthy kind of relationship. Once you're defensive, uh, once you feel rejected, once you're rejecting, All these traits are going to set you up for going to the next app. So we really are in this disconnect about talking about gaslighting lately. That word is a new word to a lot of people where that person really has a hold on you. And then talking about the relationships we have today where you're just thrown away for the next uh, victim that's going to be thrown away because we don't know what we're doing. We have to come into the middle of knowing that a relationship means long term it doesn't mean marriage we're having less children we're getting married less often 50% of our society who are married end up in divorce so there you go i would be afraid i mean i've been married a long time so it's too late but most people <laughs> if you're getting married today like my daughter's not getting married yet and she has a fear factor about is this good enough we have to know uh what it is that our values are And what it is that it takes work, a healthy kind of work where two people are doing it together. Not one person is doing all the work and the other person is taking out the emotional whip and saying, you know, do this, do that. It's not enough. It's not enough. Even talking about it is exhausting. It's very sad. It really is very sad when people think that when somebody is jealous of them, somebody wants them all to themselves. Oh, don't visit your relatives. Don't see your friends. What about me? What about spending time with me? Oh, okay. Uh, how about hobbies? Don't go on with your hobbies. Don't do anything else. Spend time with me. And then you become this slave, and then you feel that, oh, if this person doesn't attack me, if this person doesn't get angry at me, I'm safe. But what does that mean? So your listeners, for them to know, that if you're unhappy and the other person is happy that you're with, there's definitely a problem.
1: Right. I was with somebody once who was always so paranoid that me going to the grocery store or, or going to work was maybe possibly something else because of their own issues. And, you know, if I hadn't been a strong person, I could have seen over time where I would start maybe to believe that, yeah, maybe my intentions aren't pure. Maybe I won't just go to work. You know, I can see where you get into a uh, sort of a, a cycle of starting to pick up on what they're believing about a situation, even though, you know, inside that it's absolutely not true. Oh, my goodness. So much to learn and so much to know about this particular thing. I, you said something in the beginning, Dr. Frieda Birnbaum, that if it doesn't feel good. It probably isn't. And if it's if at the beginning, and I would like maybe for us to, to just very quickly before we end the segment today is talk about what might be the signs that a young person, an old person, anyone who's dating again or you know, getting more intimate with a with a person, what would be a a red flag in your mind um with your years of psychotherapy? And advice and, and writing books, what would be in your mind some, some red flags to look for that somebody may become a gaslighter?
2: When a person is easily triggered and you're isolated together and you find that you are not using your intellect, uh, you're not able to contribute uh, to what it is that could be better for that other person and you feel very stuck, this does not go away. This is not momentary. This is not that that other person is going to have an aha moment and say, Hey, wait a minute. Uh, I, this is I'm not feeling good because that other person doesn't know how to feel it. He doesn't or she doesn't know how to what means to feel right. You could only feel good if when you're not feeling good, you can get on that path. But some people never had that to begin with. So they have nowhere to go. So if you feel that over time, that you've given it. And usually in a relationship over time, time is a big factor. It's a healing factor because it gives you an opportunity to know each other. Sometimes you argue, sometimes you're stronger, but you have joyfulness in this situation. But when you give it of your time and that other person is benefiting, then what, what we really need to know is, is this something that is going to have a future? If it's not changing now, it's not going to change later. Protect yourself. Leave. Go to a friend's house, a relative's house. Don't tell that person you're leaving. You can leave everything there because you're not leaving your soul, and that's the most important thing. And have people protect you because sometimes people can become violent as well. But have a resource. Have a plan in order to definitely leave. hmm
1: Lots to learn here. Dr. Frida Birnbaum, do you have a good website where people can find your works, your books, and and so much of your information?
2: Well, like yourself, I have not been on my podcast for a long time, <laughs> much more than a month. And I'm going back on it. It's called the Dr. Frida Show, D-O-C-T-O-R-F-R-I-E-D-A Show. I have a website, Dr. Frida, D-R-F-R-I-E-D-A dot com.
1: Wonderful. So your website then is drfrida.com and I'll spell Dr. Frida. That's D-R-F-R-I-E-D-A, Dr. D-R-F-R-I-E-D-A, drfrida.com. Thank you so much for joining us today and your wonderful expertise on this subject. You
2: have to be healthy in order to meet somebody healthy. Thank you so much for having me on.
1: Now that's great advice.
2: Thank you. Take care.
1: You're listening to The Way Home. We'll be right back.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's
1: Laura. Well, boy, there's something, uh, quite an extravaganza to look forward to coming up on September 12th through the 16th. That would be where the historically black colleges and universities, uh, also known as HBCU NY, because it's about New York this time. The 2023 Toyota HBCU New York Classic is taking place. And wow, what an amazing week full of culture and activities, Um, so much fun, and getting people all together for this incredible celebration. Albert Williams is here today. He is the president of the HBCU NY Classic. Thank you so much for joining us.
3: Hello, thank you for having me.
1: This sounds like, wow, like everybody in the world would want to come to this. Uh Is this something that is typically done every year, the historically- black colleges and universities do do you always have this sort of beginning of of the season with a with a party like this
3: well for us this is our second year we had we, we did it last year in met life and this is our second year we want to make it a staple in new york and the new york new jersey area for the tri-state area um, cuz they're just the closest HBCU to the new york metropolitan area is in lincoln pennsylvania right so we want to make this event the kickoff to homecoming and HBCUs.
1: Oh, so it's like, right, exactly, the homecoming. But everybody that goes, you know, has been involved at HBCUs can come, right? There's like 107 of them?
3: Yes, ma'am, absolutely. We encourage them all to come.
1: So you're encouraging everybody to come. Now, just some of the uh, activities that you're going to be doing. It sounds really exciting. Tell us some of the highlights, if you would.
3: Oh, so this year we're doing... Uh, two career fairs, one on, uh, two high school education days, I'm sorry, one on Tuesday, one on Wednesday, one in New York on Tuesday, one in New Jersey on Wednesday. Thursday afternoon or Thursday evening, we have what I call HBCU inspired, my version of a TED talk slash panel discussion about the importance of HBCUs, that's this year's topic. Then after that, um, Friday we have a step show, we have a Greek step show in New Jersey, and then Saturday we have the tailgate, and then at three o'clock we have the big game.
1: That's so cool, and a battle of the bands, and so much more. Oh, it's it, yeah, yeah. I mean, really, it sounds like a jam-packed five days. Um, and it all culminates then in the football game. Is that it? And, and this year it's between
3: uh, Morehouse and Albany State.
1: There you go, Morehouse and Albany State. Um, is there? A, are you're probably not allowed to say who you're vote or rooting for? Are you?
3: I'm rooting for the the college from the state of Georgia. But by the way, both of them are from the state of Georgia.
1: Oh, okay. Well that that's awesome. Listen, yeah, and and so how many people are you expecting to be out for for this the twenty twenty three Toyota HBCU New York class?
3: We hope to get twenty five to thirty thousand or more. The stadium holds sixty eight thousand. So yeah, I'm actually at MetLife now, sitting in the parking lot, plenty of parking. We got public transportation and um, yeah, we hope to get, you know, upwards of twenty five to thirty thousand. Last year we had thirty five thousand. Um and if we could do that this year it'd be great.
1: That is really incredible and it sounds like a, a really great mix of of career talks and also, you know, exploration into deep topics, but also so much entertainment and fun. And then the football game, of course, and, and I'm sure food and everything. That's a great stadium there. Um So this is going to be your third annual. You said this is the third time you're doing this.
3: Second time, second annual.
1: Oh, second time. Okay. So how can people, if they want to come, because we still have like a week or so that people can get on, you know, get their plans ready and, and go for one of the days or all five of the days. Um, What is a great website for people to find?
3: Sure. Um, www.hbcunyclassic.com. Again, that's www.hbcunyclassic.com.
1: hbcunyclassic.com. I wish you the most wonderful time. Um, and it sounds like really the party of the century. Everybody would want to go. Thank you so very much for being with us today. I appreciate it. Albert Williams, president of the HBCU NY Classic. Have a great time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Once again, here's
3: Laura.
1: There is almost nothing more beautiful, I think, that makes the world go round. No matter how crazy things seem to be getting in our world, there is always good food. Good drinks, uh, wonderful experiences with food and drink and, and culture within itself. And Karen Antonini is truly the, uh, I would say she's just the exemplification of all things culture. She has a wonderful website and podcast and even now cooking half-hour show on YouTube. The Cultivated by Karen show is her podcast, and it's really taking off. It's a blend of culture, cuisine, and comfort. I absolutely love that and everything that it means. Karen, thank you for joining us on the way home today. Thank you so much, Laura, and thank you for that wonderful introduction. You have a beautiful... um a background in that you were raised in, well, exactly where were you raised? Because I know that you were always uh, surrounded by people from other cultures and countries and things like that. Where were you raised?
4: So I was raised in Connecticut. And yes, I was surrounded by constantly by people from other different countries and cultures, because my father ran the international side of a business. And consequently, we had lots of guest, his colleagues, and many of who became very close friends of ours. And so I learned a lot of the language and a lot about their cultures, which always intrigued me. And then, of course, about their food. And I would just sit there and listen to them and dream of what
1: they would might be eating in their countries and things like that. So, yes, a lot of culture. I, I had a similar upbringing. My dad was international business for health and beauty aid's uh, based in New York and Indiana, but, uh, they, they were in Westport, Connecticut. And so the same thing, their friends from all over the world, from we lived in Brazil and Australia and they were in Europe and Japan always working. And so we same thing, always surrounded by people from other places and they would bring their recipes with them and they would cook with my mom in the kitchen. So I get that. And it truly does. It, it, it's a beautiful way to, you know, in terms of your childhood, it expands your, your, your whole take on the world and people from other cultures. And it's not a snobby thing. It's just a way of really opening up your mind to the way other people live and such. And, and it's just also very beautiful. And I know that that you see that in yourself and you talk to so many fascinating people on your podcast. And, um, and then obviously the cooking as well. Do you speak other languages? Because I know you had a little bit of a foray into. Uh, teaching or being part of teaching kids languages with with some type of technology? Yes. Yes, I
4: do. I speak five languages. I speak French, German, Spanish, Italian, and of course, English. And I did have a company called Early Lingo, which was a children's foreign language learning system. So apps and DVDs. And and that was a lot of fun because I feel like just like food, language is a great way to dive into a culture.
1: How incredible that you... Now did you learn these languages growing up or did you learn them as an adult?
4: Well, I learned most of them growing up um because of these friends of ours who would come, you know, visit us in our home and also I was fortunate to be able to travel with my father when we didn't have school and my my parents traveled a lot and So I was fortunate to be able to do that. And I got really interested in languages. And my dad was also multilingual. So the combination was right there. So I had tutors and, and then in school, and then later on, the last language I learned was German, Uh, I went to Georgetown University, and which was like the language, you know, school of languages and linguistics, it couldn't have been better for me to learn all these things. But yeah, so I did I did grow up really speaking different languages and again it really
1: opens up your mind and It does. It's yeah. really good for the brain. And you know, they're seeing that more and more. They're offering languages and even Duolingo uh programs within elementary schools now, which I think is great. And when I went to school in South America in Brazil as a as a first grader, I remember meeting kids who spoke four and five languages at age six and seven. And I was so amazed by that. And I felt a little left out because I only spoke English and then later on uh, learned Portuguese because we had to take it every day. But it truly is. It's an amazing thing for the brain and for just your just your whole cultural experience. And but you you have chosen the side of it that is just so beautiful. What could be more amazing than um, the food of different cultures. You, wasn't your grandmother, was she Finnish or? Danish. Uh, Danish, yes. okay.
4: My mother's side is Danish. And so I really learned all my baking from her and really um, much to my mother's chagrin. She'll say, oh, you're just like your grandmother. You never measure anything. <laughs> so.
1: Well, that's and that's usually when it's the most delicious, right? When it's not yeah. so uh so you do everything that you espouse and you, you offer on your website, which is just so lovely. You have so many different articles on, you know, kind of what's in, in cuisine, um, whether it's American or from around the world. And, and then also traditional, you have recipes, you have presentations and how to present it and really is a mecca for anybody who just loves that, you know, the aspect of life, the, the all things culinary and, and gorgeous and but you you have a sort of a a way that you look at it through this lens of um, comfort and so explain what aspect of that it undergirds a lot of your work on the podcast and and the website
4: well i think the comfort is really when you know trying different foods i think it's if you're trying a different food, it's a way to kind of dive into another culture, but also it's a way to share. The comfort part is really sharing your love, like your what you grew up with. So it's taking the different, the best, to me, the best parts of every culture. So, you know, if you go into someone's home and they're from another country and they prepare a meal for you, that's love. They're sharing something with you that's a part of them. So that's really the comfort and food is meant to be shared with friends and family and, and that's that's really part of it. And the cultural aspect, I think, is to show people that we really are the same in many, many ways. I mean, we all have to eat. And it's something that, you know, we all share on this planet. So and the only mammals who are able to cook and prepare food. So it's been going on for a very long time. Yeah, so that's, um, you know, it's pretty special to to learn different foods and and just try like my boys, you know, I have them trying different foods and and I'll say, just try it. And, and most times they really
1: like it. And it, it's fun to explore. Well, you must be a fantastic cook. And I love some of the. Just interesting things on the site. You have how to make a traditional hot toddy or how to have something I never heard of, but sounds so incredibly delectable, a (laughs) butterboard. Tell us what a butterboard is. I had never heard of that. Where have I been?
4: Butterboards are, yes. um, Actually, one of my friends makes some incredible butter spreads and butter than ever, it's called. She's actually local in, in New Canaan, Connecticut, but, um, she, she makes these butters, but a lot of people, this is very, it's something new. And you just basically spread these butters on like a charcuterie board, like a, a wooden board. And then have different crackers and you can add edible flowers. Really, the sky's the limit. But I have oh. yes, on my Cultivated by Karen website. There is, I think it's this, it's current in the entertaining section about butterboards. And it's kind of fun because it is, I mean, if you're eating cheese,
1: it's essentially like a butter. <laughs> so Right. And it treat. just sounds, the flavors that, that are offered are just sounds better than never or butter than never. <laughs> what a how, great, great name for that. I'd love to. Try your friends' uh, butters there. But it's just a, a tiny example of the many thousands that you have there, different recipes again and different ways. Now you have a cooking uh, YouTube channel as well. And so I'm assuming that you're bringing all of your international fare to to the channel. Yes, I am. And what I like to do is
4: take make traditional dishes simplified. So because, you know, let's be honest, not a lot of us have a lot of time to cook. I mean, I do love to maybe make a a longer something more elaborate on a weekend when I have time. But, but for instance, I do do a lot of Italian cooking. It's part of my heritage, of course, but but I also have lots of other recipes. I mean, from Chinese to uh, it just it really runs the gamut. So, so that's what I have there, and and I try to explain and and teach people. So if I'm making something with Parmesan cheese, I'll teach you about the history of Parmesan and what makes really an authentic Parmigiano, not just Parmesan. Um, so so that sort of thing. So you're also educated
1: as well as learning the recipes. That's what I love about it, because it really, truly it, if you don't have a chance to, to go around the world, at least you can learn about where our favorite things come from. And, you know, the maybe some of the history to them as well. Uh, so tell us, like just this week, have you posted anything brand new for people? What are they going to find when they go to Cultivated by Karen? Well,
4: cultivated by Karen. So I know I did a zucchini bread, um, which is with all, made with olive oil, which is really nice because zucchini is in season again, and which is great. It's the best time to obviously cook with zucchini. And I give little tips as well. So when you're cooking with zucchini, I have a lot of different recipes, but you want to choose the smaller ones because the larger ones have more water in them. So I'll give tips like that. And it's a really simple recipe, an excellent one. Um, I think I made some Italian citrus cookies as well. I love to, um, I think I, that was on my Instagram, but, but you know, that's another citrus is such a great enhancer for flavors and they're mm-hmm. really simple. And this is something great for Mother's Day you can make. So all those recipes are on my website, but.
1: Yeah, just things like that that, you know, so it's it's cooking bed with this cultural uh, bend to it and lots of tips and things for people like me. Because, you know, I, I, I don't really cook that much, but I really appreciate those that do. And so I'm, I look for things that are different. Um, just for people to know, cultivated by Karen. Karen is spelled C-A-R-Y-N. OK, so if don't look for the Karen with a K. It's C-A-R-Y-N. Uh, cultivated by Karen. And if you go to anywhere on Spotify, uh, iHeart podcasts, any, most of the major pl- um, podcast platforms and also on YouTube, you're going to find just, just type in cultivated by Karen. You're going to find all of it and her wonderful website as well. What's something we can look forward to? What are you going to be working on for the next, uh, foreseeable month or so?
4: Well, we've got some amazing guests coming up. Of course, there's the coronation. So we have some fabulous guests. Uh, I think Shabnam Russo, she made the Queen's uh, Platinum Jubilee Cake. She was one of the finalists over in the UK. So we have her and Highclere Castle Gin. And then we've got some amazing, amazing guests coming. So be sure to look for that. I think there's a misoglazed sea bass. I know I've made that before, but that's also great. Um, really nice for this time of year, really light. It's very easy. You can literally make it the little sauce in about five to eight minutes and and that's a great weeknight meal. So those are some of the things that are coming and I'm changing up the... Every month I have a newsletter and change up the recipes and everything on the website. So... You it, had
1: a great guy on with the cocktails in a can recently and yes. I, I love that. And, you know, it's so great. So many people... This is the kind of podcast that they're going to want to binge because you just start with one and you learn a lot and you enjoy it. And then, oh, I want to hear about this and I want to hear about that. And that's what your your whole library is just very bingeable in terms of wanting to hear all the different things. And it just kind of takes you there. Like I said, if you don't have the time or the ability to travel around the world cultivated by Karen kind of makes you feel like you have. And it's a it's a beautiful experience Going to your website, going to your podcast, going to your cooking uh, channel—it it all is a—it's an experience, and just as you said, one of comfort, cuisine, culinary, everything beautiful that starts with a C, including your name.
4: <laughs> That's right.
1: <laughs> thank you, Laura. Well, thank you too, and again for all of you who want to listen to some great uh, podcasts all about delicious and beautiful things. It's cultivated. By Karen, Karen Antonini. Thank you so much for joining us from Connecticut. Thank you. You're listening to the Way Home. We'll be right back.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to the Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura.
1: Oh, it's wonderful to be here with all these great guests today and people that um, I just find that I learn from. I think that's one of the best benefits to this job is I learn something new every day with them. And I hope you do as well. But something I like to hear about all the time, and uh, it truly makes me feel like a better person and like more positive in every aspect of my life is when I hear good news stories. Regular people doing real-life hero things or just living with love in their life and giving it away in generosity. So for that, we go to Jim Cleefield. That's his real name. I call him Jimmy Dean. Um, He goes out, he finds all the good news stories out there that are happening on the interweb, and I just love to hear them and hope you do, too. What do you have for us first off?
0: Well, LJ, you might say this California woman uh, is on cloud nine, so to speak. Uh, She is a military mom with three kids and two dogs. And the reason I'm saying that is because uh, she had met somebody, and it's something that doesn't happen often in our lives. When a total stranger becomes a guardian angel, that's exactly what happened to Summer Erdell on a recent Connecting flight that she took from california to raleigh to see her husband who is military she's a military spouse here's what happened well the flight started in california and you can imagine flying with three kids let alone one is not an easy thing for a parent that's for sure no matter where you go well she went through the first two connecting flights and by the third flight her kids just were absolutely fed up including a toddler i can imagine as i said i'm not a big fan of flying either but she got through it there but it was on that third flight that things turn for the better for her. You know why? Because this is when this stranger turned guardian angel came into the picture. Her name is Jenny Martin, and she was noticing Summer and the kids, and uh, she was by herself. She didn't have any kids with her, but she said, you know, I can relate to what you do over there. You, You know, I have four kids. I get it. I understand your frustration. If there's anything I can do to help, she's going on the same flight. She said, let me know. So they went to the boarding pass gate, and that was not where the story ended. Fortunately, this is the airline that they fly on. It's an airline, uh, it's Southwest, where you get to choose the seat you have. You're not assigned like in the other airlines very fortuitous here because Jenny was able to sit in front of Summer and her three kids just in case let's say if one of the kids was pounding on the seat you know it wouldn't bother in any way and she could come to her aid immediately because she said anything I can do to help I can do that good thing that happened because one of the toddlers of Summer got really really sick so much so I mean it was just a mess all over the plane she was crying she was overwhelmed had to go get changed and right away without even a second thought Jenny comes right in and say look Here's, here's my jacket. You go get yourself cleaned up. I'll take care of the toddler for you. Just worry about yourself, okay? This is one of the great things she did, and she even rocked the toddler to sleep, and uh, it just made Summer feel so much better. Well, anyway, the flight landed safely in Raleigh, and she was able to make it to the gate and to see her military husband, and she said goodbye to Jenny. And you would think that was the end of the story, right? That's it. Well, they didn't exchange any phone numbers or emails or any contacts whatsoever, but it went through Summer's mind Who is this Jenny? I just remember by her first name, Jenny, this woman that was this guardian angel that helped me. Well, she went right on Facebook. She posted something. It went viral. And wouldn't you know it, somehow, some way, Jenny found her online, Jenny Martin. They became friends. They connected. And now they talk on a regular basis. And again, Summer said, just appreciate everything you did. Well, now they've reconnected in a way that we do on a regular basis here on The Way Home, LJ. And that is via Zoom. I guess you can say friends for life. Just a great story.
1: Oh, I love that. That's what I'm saying about how regular people can become heroes. And it seems like a, maybe a small thing. What can I do to help? But to actually mean it and step up to the plate and do it, especially, oh my goodness, even traveling, like you said, with one child is, is stressful. Can you imagine three and? What a great thing that is. And now a friendship has blossomed because of it. I love it. I love that kind of thing. Do we have time for one more? Do we have time, Bobby? Mr. Producer. No, No, he says we're done. (laughs) But that was a good one. We like that one. I like good stories about airline You know, because lately these days, not every story about the airlines is a happy one. So that was one that can uh, give us faith once again that flying will become fun, maybe. All right. Thank you so much, Jimmy Dean, for the good news stories, Bob Small, for producing the program, and for all of you listening as you do. Love you very much. Have a great week. We'll see you next time on the way home. I'm Laura Smith.